All right. Well, it's back up to above six, and I can hear you clearly. All right. So, so that's the is that our base red line six? Yeah, I think like below six, you're you're treading into pretty like 1998 levels internet speeds. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Yeah, I remember one time when I first had the internet at my house. My dad's an electrical engineer, so we were pretty early on. Um... I remember our first email address was dansrj at interaccess.com. Dansrj <laughs> meaning Danstrom and RJ being my dad's first two initials. We all just shared a family email. Mm-hmm. Um, and I one time downloaded, I, I was really into rollerblading, which I understand, Mike, you were into as well. Yep. Uh, like kind of aggressive aggro inlining, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was on some of those websites uh, looking at gear and things like that. And there was one video to download of a guy doing like a, a grind on a on a stair rail. And it probably took, I remember like the evening starting it and then the next morning and then after school and then into the next evening, it was still downloading. And it was like <laughs> the equivalent of what now is like that gif that i sent you guys of the sud dudes <laughs> it's like that's that was longer the sud dude gif is longer than this like grind video and it was grainy and but i remember thinking to myself like oh my gosh it's like tv it's so smooth <laughs> it only took 24 it, hours to download yeah only took a day relax holy mary mother of god pray Great for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen, amen. The Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, help us not to be boring losers who no one wants to listen to. <laughs> help us hey. not to make too much annoying noises or have the internet be too <laughs> shaky. Have the internet be at least six. At least six. <laughs> at least six. Hey, when we pray, when we pray together, I've noticed that you pray like a little bit behind us. How? Why is that? Or like sometimes you won't you won't pray it all the way. Um, I think that I go away from the microphone so as not to create that little latency effect when I like if we're doing a hail mary together. You're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually I'll. Uh, that's that's intentional. Right. I'm still praying okay. it, but I'm doing it not into the microphone. Yeah, I was wondering because, like, if I do a certain type of phone call with my family. If there's like multiple people on the line, then if one person's talking, I think it like it silences the other people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like you can't talk simultaneously. Oh, that happened to me recently on a Is phone that... call. It was very, very annoying. Hmm. Um, because yeah, if you talked, it would silent. You couldn't. It wouldn't both receive what you were saying and communicate what the other person was saying. Mm-hmm. So if you started to, like if a person started to talk and you said something, you'd miss what they were saying. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a thing called, I think it's called latency where there's a little bit of a delay, um, which then 
I don't know, makes it a little bit more awkward. If you're trying to pray together, like on a family phone call, you're trying to pray all at the same time. That little delay kind of makes it a little herky-jerky. Huh. But our equipment is so flawless and good, and our internet is so above six that we uh, we never experience any of that latency stuff. You know what I mean? Except occasionally. Except occasionally. But on the whole, but- the... The quick-witted, sort of quick um, back and forth that's characteristic of the rapport on Three Dogs North. Mm-hmm. The, the witty repartee. Um, it, it would be hard for even the most bunk technology to <laughs> to interfere with that. You know what I mean? It can't hold us down. No, this is a great example mm-hmm. of it, actually. Just the crackling dialogue. I heard from a fan recently what the structure of the podcast actually is. And I don't know if that... Oh, that tweet? If what you just said correlates with that. The tweet about the three stages or whatever? About the three stages of the podcast. Hmm. Did you hear that, Juice? No. This is new. This is news to me. Oh. Let me read it to you. <laughs> Some Twitter action. Who's it from? Uh, Travis Chapman. Travis. He says... Nailed it, Travis. Uh, the first stage is sitting around talking about God stuff based on movements of seminary. The second is Juice has a topic or wants to spend time on a topic and most recent movement. And three, Seabisk monologues and the guys don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> he said that uh, the, the last episode was kind of quintessential, three Three Dogs North, because of that. And how does he conclude the tweet? Hashtag pure gold. There it is. <laughs> Classic Travis. <laughs> Gosh. Old Chapman. Like bees gathering honey. Do you think it could be Araldus Chapman that tweeted that? And it's just an alias of Travis to like not let the world know that he's a listener? Huh. Araldus Chapman, the closer of the 2016 Cubs? Yeah. And now the New York Yankees? Could be. It could be. That was be. my initial assumption. <laughs> was that it was him. Let's put it this way. I'd have to see evidence to the contrary to believe that it wasn't him. <laughs> the fact that his name is Travis Chapman and not Araldus Chapman is not sufficient. No, it's no. not good enough. Is it what's his first name? Araldus? Is that yeah, I think so, name? and I think he's Cuban, which Chapman doesn't sound to me very much like a Cuban name. Huh. Isn't he Cuban? That was my understanding. I don't know. Definitely could be. <clears throat> this is one of those things where old PJ would say, you have the world at your fingertips. Are you going to Google it? Uh, I'm over did. Google. Old BJ? Is that what you said? PJ. My buddy. PJ. Philip, Philip Jerome Butler. Oh, PJ. You know him? He's a focused missionary. Yeah, I know him. I think I've met him before. I wouldn't say I know him. You know, mm-hmm. nationality American, comma Cuban. Huh. There you go. Huh. Born February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty eight. Day away from being a leap year baby. Aroldis Chapman, baseball pitcher. Three Dogs North fan. And Three Dogs North listener. Hey, put that on there, man. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just flip the script on old Aroldis. Flip, and... flip the script and. 
D- start not, start with me monologuing mon- monologuing with something you, you guys monologue, don't follow. Okay. Mike, you topic. Hey, that's that word is off limits. Oh, that's right. He said topic. He said it. That's true. Topic. I already yeah. There's an R. It, it, the R is silent. Tropic. When he, it's a speech impediment. <laughs> ah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So don't call him out. Don't be a bully. Don't use the T word. Hey, I've been working on a thing. You guys want to hear hey, about it? Hey, hold on. Hey, hey, before we get into all that, I do have. <laughs> I don't want to get into all that right away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever well, that I have is. No idea. It, this, your thing could lead to good conversation, and we don't and, want that. But no, my thing is not. This is not podcast what, material. What's the thing? Oh yeah. gosh, might have to cut this out. Why don't you just save it to the end? We're giving you a blatant uh, dude, cut this out now. Dude, this is a blatant cut it out because look, if I don't say it, then it's just gonna be like I'm gonna have it and <sighs> I'm gonna be in my own little world and y'all aren't gonna be a part of it. So I'll just be removed You're from killing the conversation. me, Smalls. All right, go ahead. Just mark the time. Cut, mark the time. Cut it out. Mark the time. Write it down Did now. Mark it. Seventeen oh two. Go. Oh yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. I like the uh, not looking at YouTube covenant, but I've been, uh, gosh, I've been just freaking attached to Twitter, and this is what I mean by freedom, dude. I want, I want to be actually free. I sometimes I fantasize about like being Jason Bourne, and uh, just like being able to travel the world, get up and go, and have like cool missions to do, and. I'm totally unattached, yet I also have a purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, but that, you don't have to be Jason Bourne to be unattached, but have a purpose, you know? It's just, you have That's to true. realize, like, to uh, unattach from the right things, you know? Have you seen the, yeah, it, that's exactly it. Have you seen the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney? No, I've heard of it, though. movie but like it's very depressing but like the and i i I didn't watch it close we watched it in college sometime yeah but his that's kind of his whole mo is like no attachment to any person like he just works you know he can kind of pack his life up in a backpack and like like his mission is his work blah, blah blah and he pretty much just starts like this is a spoiler but he starts having an affair with this lady like via uh, all this travel of work and i mean she like comes and i think even meets his family and he like really kind of falls in love with this woman and then the end of the movie he decides like he does he wants to like go after her and like try to love her and all this stuff it's like this really kind of groundbreaking thing for his life of yeah like what freedom is and then it freaking turns out she's just been lying the whole time and she like has a family and she's just been having an affair with him while she travels um so it's a it's a Ooh. bummer of a movie. Yeah. But <laughs> it's kind of a in a way it's like a cool reflection on like his whole idea of like this like detached in a very material sense, like mm-hmm. detachment of um I'm just my own man completely. I don't have any like nothing ties me down. I don't have any commitments. Blah 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 is just such garbage. Yeah. Her her devastating line he shows up at her house and knocks on the door and these kids run up her children and then she answers the door and they have this whole encounter and she goes you were the parentheses in my life oh 
like you, this family is not the parentheses. Like you were the mm-hmm. side story. Right. Like devastating. There's a uh, don't don't whistle right into the mic. Um, I have earbuds. Don't put in. your tinfoil in the mic. Then. <laughs> well, I have earbuds in, and when you, you whistle right out of it, sir. yeah, it feels like you're whistling into my ear. Oh, I almost just freaking blasted one in the mic. No, this is uh this is something I've thought about with the with the freedom question, the attachment question about um that you that we have two things inhibit our freedom on like a daily basis that we feel. One is our obligations. So commitments we've made or obligations we just have kind of in ipsum, you know, like in themselves. We just have to eat, we have to sleep, blah, blah, blah. Um, pay our taxes. But then you also have inhibitions on your on your freedom due to fear, um, which is more of an internal limit, you know. Um, and one like stupid example that I've, I've thought about recently um, is like I never get my car washed. I I washed my car, but I like in the winter time it is always dirty because you're not about to like go out with the hose and wash your car. You know what I mean? You have to go to a car wash. But I've literally never, besides when I was a kid and my parent, I was in the car and my parents took the car to the car wash. I've never gone to the car wash. This is embarrassing even just saying this, but I like, there there are several things in my life like this where I can just get away with not doing that because I don't want to go there and be like, I don't even know how this works. Do I drive into this thing and stay in my car or do I give this to somebody else or do you pay for the vacuum or not? And you know, you know, like when you walk into a restaurant and you're not sure how to order or even how to eat the food, you're like, I think I'd rather just go to a different restaurant. And uh, contrast that with like the post office conversation we had years ago about just going to the post office with a thing you want to send and, and somebody will help you and it'll work out. And, you know, sometimes I feel like that, like I could just, I'm capable of anything, you know, or, you know, even if I'm not, my weakness will be made up for by my charisma and I'll just ask for help and somebody will help me. Um, and honestly, I could do that too. I like, I, I probably will um, just go to the car wash. But I was also putting off the dentist for, I haven't gone to the dentist in like three years and I finally just made a freaking appointment and I'm sure it'll be fine. And I've started flossing again and my gums aren't bleeding too much, but you have these little like stupid (laughs) fears that you're like, I don't want to do that because, and you know, this whole conversation that we've had beforehand that, um, you know, it's, it's like that where we are, we're limited by our fear. And sometimes I think, our obligations wouldn't chafe us so much if we were just if we were just less afraid of the like yeah. being able to transcend the things we can in good conscience, you know, transcend. You cannot transcend your obligations. That there's no such freedom as being free of the things you are obliged by God and nature to do. But there is freedom from fear that comes from trust. It's Sister Rossiello's mad dash, man, in Haiti. That sister I talked about when she just took off yeah. running when the superior told her to do something. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. That's freedom. It's true. So she's not jet setting off to, you know, other countries and having so much money that she doesn't have to think about anything, what anything costs. Like, that's that's a certain kind of freedom. 
but hers is a more interior freedom that she doesn't need to do those things to feel free. Yeah. You know, there's something, yeah, no, there's something deep with that. I mean, even the, the idea of like, like how freedom is, is in a, in a lot of ways, like lived concretely through our obligations or like what we've committed to in just the responsibility of our vocations of, I don't know. I haven't thought about this in a long time, so it's probably going to be very blurred, but I remember like in college, did you ever read the book? Uh, I think it's called wild at heart it's by a Protestant mm-hmm. yeah, guy. Yeah. And, and it's a, I mean, it's a, I remember it being a, like a decent book. Like I liked it at the time. Anyway, I haven't read it since then, but, uh, He's kind of he just had this like uh, his own type of pitch for like a vision of masculinity and Christianity. And then, um, you know, it kind of ties into like the C.S. Lewis, like Aslan is not a tame lion, stuff like that, which is cool. Um, but then I remember I read I think Scott gave it to me one time when he was here. But I read the book, The Little Prince. You ever read that? Oh, yeah. Before? Great. Great book. It's a super cool book and like the conversation between the boy and I think the fox in the book and the fox tells him that like when you get to know someone, when you become friends with someone, you tame each other and like there's just like this cool bond of like grounding that that happens. Um, It's a really beautiful like couple pages in that book and yeah, I've I've just it kind of stuck with me of like, yeah, I don't think Aslan's a tame lion, certainly. Um, there is like this radical and total otherness in God that is, is scary sometimes, you know, um, in, in very real moments, but, but at the same time, like, yeah, life is just lived like one moment to the next, like what's right in front of you, those that you love and those that love you. I mean, that's it at the end of the day, man. Um, I think it was even, I think it was Scott Hahn that said in class one time, um, it was just a cool line, especially coming from him. Um, and he was like, you know, if Jesus walked in this room right now, like we would be totally blown away at his humanness, at least, you know, it's like from what I understand yeah. and everything. And it's just this beautiful line of, like growing in the knowledge of his divinity and like how he walked us through the scriptures. That was an, more and more. That was a very, very cool class that we had with him. Um, but yeah, just getting to know Jesus in that capacity is very, very cool. Yeah. I think that's where like, if, you know, just thinking about the question that is <coughs> kind of daunting on me that we talked about earlier is that that's really what I want is not freedom from that question, but freedom in that question Mm -hmm. like just to say yeah this is the situation it's going to be tough like let's get after it with even with within that coupled with whatever fear and uh you know everything that comes along with it the whole sticky situation that even in that tough stuff if you can still be free in the midst of that like that's a pretty radical type of free um yeah, so I think that's actually really what I want more than anything else um, from that whole situation. Like the Lord will take care of the rest, um, but freedom in the concrete circumstance that I find myself, um, that each of us find ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> I, I'm thinking of Adam and Eve right now in like a, the state of original justice. 
because I'm trying to write, this is what I was getting at before we went into the uh, off-air thing. Um, trying to put together something I wrote a long time ago that I'm now editing, and the more I get into it, the more I'm editing deeply, and it's going to be kind of something very different than what it was originally, but it's a story of salvation history and the kerygma for children uh, that I would like to get illustrated um, by this author that lives in town here, or this uh, artist that lives in town here. Uh, I've wanted to do it for a while, but now I have a little bit more time on my hands now that Father Ken is back and I don't have all the administrative stuff here at the parish. Um, I just kind of resolved to to work on this a little bit on my days off and, and things like that today. I didn't have much to do, so I was working on it. But like trying to get to the heart of the issue of what um, what the fall of the angels was all about, what the fall of Adam and Eve was all about, and what the solution is um, that Jesus gives us to the problem of sin. And it keeps, like to me, it keeps coming back to kingdom and God being the king and him protecting as king being the protector the provider and the teacher or guide lawmaker like giving him all of those privileges that's what makes heaven so great is that he's all in all perfectly the king what made original justice so great was that he was king and it's these usurpers um that ruin it all that uh either fall from heaven because they can't they can't stand it they can't stand to just hear God praise all the time and served um, in humble obedience and and they spoil the original justice of of the world that God created uh, because they won't won't have him as the king um, and that's when slavery begins you know uh, human beings enslaving one another or becoming slaves themselves to their own passions or to Satan himself. Um, and we just long for freedom. And, and the king comes and he is the kingdom as well, the autobasilea. And that's why I was like, the way I described it in my original draft of like how Jesus came to teach us and show us how to live, like the more I, the more I read that, the more I'm like, this is the way to easily explain it to kids, but it's not what would make a thing like this cool is that if we really got to the Catholic thing about it, it wasn't just Jesus is a teacher and if you believe in him, your sins are forgiven. It's like he came to root out this rebellion and this evil. By If we weren't going to kneel down and serve him as our king, then he was just going to come to us. He was going to bring the kingdom with him and invite anyone He'll even give you the grace to do it himself. Like he'll do it in you, like to, to, to bow down to the father and be obedient uh, through the sacraments and through grace and preventing grace and all that stuff. But that idea of being transformed from the inside out is so, I don't know, quintessentially Catholic. It's not just snow covering dung. It's sinners becoming saints, rebels becoming subjects of the king of heaven and therefore fit to be in heaven. Um, And so like the car wash thing is a stupid example, but it's just a little, a little thing where I like, um, you know, I, I don't want to do this thing because it might, it would just be easier not to, you know, um, 
you know, like cooking, like I, I feel like it's what's so embarrassing and kind of emasculating about it is that a lot of it has to do with living kind of a kept or a sheltered or charmed life where things were done for me, like, you know, living in a dorm in college and then living in a residence hall with the refectory at seminary. Like I didn't have to cook my own meals very often. You know, when I lived in the barracks at, in California, I did, but I would just do what I knew how to do. Like, you know, make the few things that I knew how to make and rarely, uh, test myself, you know, rarely humble myself and like ask for help or really like do something where I had a risk of failing, you know, making something that I didn't know how to make or like little things like that, domestic chores or simple things that, you know, um, much less bigger things, you know, which actually, ironically, I have done bigger things. I have gone to foreign countries and learned languages and, um, fought fires and learned how to fell trees with a chainsaw, even though I'm a little milk toast suburbanite. Like I've done some of those bigger things, but it's, I don't know, like there's this still this self inflicted prison that I often resign myself to that. I, I think that God really comes to liberate you totally from that. Um, Well, that's the third stage, isn't it, guys? It's T-Besk monologues for a long time, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, that definitely makes sense. Really? That definitely makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I guess I think of um, J.R. preached a homily earlier in the year, last semester, and he preached on magnanimity being the virtue that combats false humility. And he, he painted false humility as this type of self-imposed limitation. Another way that you could say that is <clears throat> limitation that derives from fear. That's not, that's not real in, in the Christian sense, but because you, you live in a cage of your own fear, like you do have these limitations. Um, so then he used magnanimity essentially as the, the virtue that breaks you out of it, but it actually comes from having true humility, which oftentimes you have to have other people, you humble yourself to allow other people to kind of take you out of your own, yeah, your own, uh, boundaries. You say like, Oh, I can't do that. Or I, I just can't get near that because I would totally fail. Um, but then having the spirit of mag- mag- magnanimity necessitates humility which then like allows you to to actually crawl out of that stuff. Um, yeah, which I mean, sometimes I, I think I live that way. Um, but then I know there are certain things that, especially if they hint at a lack of a lack of a masculine identity, I will definitely shy away from um, like outdoorsy stuff, car stuff. I pretty much resigned myself to the fact that I know nothing about cars, mm-hmm. but Outdoor stuff, especially sports stuff, sports trivia. I'll be very quick to to act like I know what I'm talking about. I don't actually know what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. School, I, immediately, I just kind of throw my hands up, so that's kind of nice. I ask a lot of stupid questions. So not, but there are specific things, you know. Yeah, so then instead of actually figuring out, like in school, like instead of actually figuring out the answer, I'm afraid that people will think I'm stupid. So then I just remain in a box of ignorance. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. And there was a, a businessman who came and spoke to the priests. Um, 
kind of about like leadership quality value. I think he called it values based leadership. He's a Chicago guy. And he said, uh, true confidence is a mark of a leader. And you can know if someone has true confidence, if they're comfortable saying, I don't know, or I'm sorry. Um, and if you don't, if you can't say, I don't know, if you can't say, I'm sorry, because that'll compromise, like you feel that that will compromise your authority over people or, um, people will have less confidence in you as a leader, then you're not a true leader. You're not truly confident. And, uh, actually the, in point of fact, when people are led by someone who, when they do all like legitimately come to, a, uh, an area of expertise that they don't know anything about and say, I don't know, and ask someone else their input, they feel not just more included, but that this person is honest and like actually has the group's best interests at heart and not just looking smart or competent all the time. Um, or when they say, I'm sorry, when they legitimately fail and say, whoops, sorry, that can actually be something that solidifies people's loyalty to a leader rather than undermines it. Um, that's just practically speaking, but I think, uh, yeah, that's also, also true of, um, yeah, the areas where you see where you feel freest are sometimes not your strengths because you feel that you can ask questions or be like, hey, sorry, I screwed that up. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And you feel more free in that respect. But those areas where like <laughs> that's why the car wash or the cooking thing is difficult because I feel that I should already know how to do these things. It's embarrassing that I don't. Uh, and so I feel like I just want to avoid that. Whereas a big thing like nobody expects you to be able to speak a different language or or do something that is difficult or hard so you can you can be bad at it and and learn you know um but uh yeah that true true confidence like there there are things like cars i don't i don't even care to know and i i would be happy to die a man who's always relied on people who know about cars to fix my cars for me i'm going to use a car but I'm not going to know how to fix it. But there are things that I do want to know how to do that I can't do. And I often feel hamstrung by my own dumb fears and insecurities. And another thing. All right. Can I use that stuff? There might, the be, some, might be some yeah, visible yeah. stuff. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. We ripped out a podcast there at the end, it seems like. Maybe. Snuck out a nice little 30 minute or. Mm hmm. Oh, and hey, we got we got a new batch of Guadalupe Roastery today. Is the, it the Ethiopian? Oh. No, no, no. Ours is Colombian. Wow. Yeah. They must have a lot of varieties. Man, they must have incredibly good coffee. <laughs> I told somebody about it at lunch, actually. So the advertising is working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they'll buy it or not. It's coffee for the common good. Hmm. Finger licking good, good to the last drop. That's those are all drink slogans. Drink to the dregs. And <laughs> drink it to the dregs. Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And 
Good girl.